Hey y'all, I'm Melanie. And I'm Jason. And you're listening to the Old North State Podcast. We're bringing you on a deep dive into all things North Carolina. that was yes I guess you can tell what we're talking about today ASMR for sure <laughs> okay <laughs> yeah um, Pepsi born in the south raised in a glass <sighs> that's the good stuff this was not sponsored by Pepsi no it was not but uh, that's what we're talking about today We've, we are we previously mentioned oh. in our North Carolina products episode that um that Pepsi originated in North Carolina, so today we're gonna kind of elaborate on that. Yes, absolutely. But you have some fun facts for me? I have some fun facts that I'm going to divulge to you while we are reading. Gotcha, mm-hmm. gotcha. Likewise, likewise. Um, but good to see you. Yes, as well. Good to see everyone. Happy Friday. Yes. Um, some housekeeping. We have a live show. Yeah, um, we're going to be doing a live podcast recording with our good old pals over at the Hex Files. Um, it's going to be on Friday the 13th, which is going to be next Friday. And it's at Petty Thieves Brewing in good old Charlotte, North Carolina. Yes. Starting at 8pm, we're going to be talking about some ghost stories that have been submitted, as well as some local tales as well, and kind of... Just uh, try to pick them apart and see uh, the Hex Files there more on the paranormal investigation side while we're more on the lore side. So uh, with our minds combined, we're going to be talking about some some ghost stories. Can't wait. Um, so I uh, hope to see you all there. Yes. You can see what we look like in person. Yes. The, the big face reveal. They know what we look like if they follow our Instagram account. Which hopefully they do. Or if they're related to us. Uh, which <laughs> they probably are. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. All right. Would you like to start us off? Yeah, so talking about Pepsi-Cola. On uh, May 27th, 1867, Caleb Bradham was born to parents George and Julia and... Oh, goodness. Chinquapin? That's the one. North Carolina. In uh, Duplin County. Duplin? Oh, man. I overthought <laughs> it. That's what I was going to say, and then I was like, oh, it's I'm going to scale it back. Duplin is Duplin it. County. Duplin's big on the wines. Duplin wine. That's, Duplin. Uh, that's wine country. Well, so <laughs> wine country of the east. <laughs> you heard it here first, folks. Okay, sorry. Um, man, we did not get far at all before. Fun. <laughs> okay, here's my first fun fact. Um, Caleb Bradham's third great-grandfather was an officer in George Washington's army. Hell yeah. Fun That's... fact number one. All right. So. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. All right, so first sentence down, <laughs> rest of it to go. 
Uh, after attending several different academies in the state, he began attending the University of North Carolina in 1886. After graduating, he enrolled in the University of Maryland School of Medicine. He dropped out of Maryland, having three years left in medical school, noting the bankruptcy of his father's business as the reason. Sure. Um, he then <laughs> returned to North Carolina and taught public school at Vance Academy in New Bern for about a year. Caleb really liked medicine and eventually went back to the University of Maryland's College of Pharmacy. When he was finished, he moved back to New Bern and opened a drugstore called the Bradham Drug Company. Good old BDC. He had a strong <laughs> knowledge of compounding prescriptions, so one thing he enjoyed doing was concocting syrups to turn into soda for his friends and family. How nice. How nice. One of the things that he really wanted to do was create a fountain drink that was not only appealing, but would aid in digestion and boost energy. In 1893, he created this drink and began offering it at a soda fountain in his drugstore. He first uh, the first person to test the concoction was his assistant, James Henry King. It was immediately successful, and his friends dubbed it Brad's Drink, which is a, a pretty... <laughs> I, I feel like that's something you would pick up at, like, a fraternity party? Yeah. Or it's just like, like a, what's like in that cooler? Uh, where you see a Monster of... filled with 30 different types of liquors. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's old. That's Brad's Drink. You have to meet him at the back of your trunk to get it, though. Of course. Um... The reason I said that is because in my fraternity days, there was always this Kyle that, uh, his, his name was Kyle, and uh, <laughs> he would always make, like, you know, what some people call it jungle juice, uh, some people call it PJ, all that good stuff, but, uh... I'm choking. I'm fine. Continue. I don't know why I'm even telling this story. Long story short, though, is that he would always make this, like, vast amount of drink, and he would keep it in the back of his trunk so that people, like, so they don't run out too quick, and people wouldn't just steal it. <laughs> Anyways, Brad's drink was not made with Monster and liquor. It was made with a blend of cola nut, nut extract, excuse me, vanilla, lemon oil, <coughs> caramel, sugar, nutmeg, and a few additives. Second fun fact. Did you know that the, the cola nut tree is indigenous to West Africa and can grow up to 60 feet? The fruit is star-shaped, and each one contains two to five nuts, each which are about the size of a chestnut and packed with caffeine. Is that why it's cola? Like, that's why everything's cola? Because it comes from this cola nut? I guess so. Like Coca-Cola, <coughs> RC Cola, <coughs> Dr. Cola. Yeah, but this... Cola with a K. <laughs> I did not. I think it just went down the wrong pipe. Anyway. Cola with a K. Cola with a K. And then they turned it to a C. And then for Coca-Cola, of course, it's the mixture of the cola nut and cocaine. What a time to be You're alive. Not stop me, right? <laughs> um, <laughs> what a time Pepsi, to be alive. <laughs> We didn't mention it, but I don't think Pepsi ever had cocaine in it. It did not. That's going to come back and something we talk about later. Um, Is it? You'll see. Oh. In 1898, Caleb renamed it to Pepsi-Cola, and it was first advertised to relieve upset stomach. No one is entirely sure why he changed the name, but people think it's because of the enzyme pepsin, 
which aids in digestion. Which I guess with a pepsin and the coal in that, it's all coming together. But pepsin has never been used as an ingredient in Pepsi. Um, so I guess it's like gas, like gas isn't actually like the form yes. of gas, it's, it's oil. And it yeah. comes from the name gasoline, which I guess was from Casoline. So aren't names fun, you know? Where I didn't know that. From. Yeah. Um, I, I saw it on TikTok, so of course. we're going to have to fact check that. <laughs> um, anyways, so on December 24th, 1902, Pepsi-Cola was officially incorporated with Caleb Bradham as president. He must have gotten an early Christmas present. Right. Um, you know, a small loan of a million dollars. Just kidding. And 19... That's not, that's not a fact. That's redacted. In 1903, the bottling of Pepsi-Cola was moved from the drugstore to a rented warehouse. On June 16th of that year, the first Pepsi-Cola trademark was registered, and the syrup was sold to pharmacies and other vendors throughout North Carolina. 7,968 gallons of syrup were sold that year. I think it's funny how you say syrup. How I say syrup? Yeah. Um, I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> I'm not saying... It's wrong. I'm just saying. You just say it differently. Yeah. Um, like caramel. Oh, man. And apparently Duplin County as well. <laughs> Add it to the list. For Sorry. For at home, whenever I pronounce something funny, um, take a drink of good old Pepsi-Cola. <laughs> uh, <and> Sorry. <laughs> you're fine. Uh, in 1904, Caleb purchased a building for $5,000 in New Bern called the Bishop Factory, and all of the bottling and syrup operations were moved there. Is it because is it I say syrup? Yeah. Sorry. I'm sorry. Um, I don't know what to tell you. I'll stop. Uh, around this time is when they started selling six-ounce bottles, and sales increased to 19,848 gallons. The next year, in 1905, the first two Pepsi-Cola franchises opened up in Durham and Charlotte. Connecting the, the bridge yeah. of, of us. We, we've been to the drugstore. We forgot to talk about that. We did, yeah. yeah we did. <laughs> they still um, have the um, soda fountain you can get there. You could go and you can get um, a Pepsi for a dollar. Yeah. Um, which I think is a little outrageous, seeing as these were, only cost a nickel. Um, yeah. Inflation. Well, man. America. <laughs> Capitalism! Uh, but, but we went March of uh, 2021, <laughs> you know, for when people are listening to these podcasts in the future. And, and uh, <laughs> we had just gotten our first uh, vaccine shot. Yeah. So we were down there. And we were, everyone's still masking up. Well, no, they were not. <laughs> so we were in this drugstore and like this whole group of... It was a bunch of people. None of them wearing masks. They had one of those little kids. It was like, yeah. Um, it was a family and one of those like hyper kids. One of those like Myrtle Beach families. Yes, I guess exactly. Kid with the tank top running around. Um, yeah, so we took our took our beverages Pepsi, to go. Threw it back like a shot. Enjoyed a little bit of history and got out of there. <laughs> yeah, it was a fun experience though. I would definitely recommend if you're a new bird to at least go in. Yeah. We have every intention of going back to New Bern. We really enjoyed our time there. Oh, yeah. I love New Bern. And so much history. Um, I completely lost my spot. Okay. 
By 1906, <laughs> sales had nearly doubled to 38,605 gallons of syrup. We've got to start rounding these numbers. Listen, this is what the internet told me. This is like the... I feel like I'm doing like that's, mental brain teasers when I have to <laughs> read these That's out. fair. That's fair. Um, but no, we're factual. <laughs> Just the facts. We don't want to mislead anyone. So, uh, this, was, this was when the United States government passed the Pure Food and Drug Act which banned substances like arsenic and lead from food and beverages. This act forced companies like Coca-Cola to change their formula. <laughs> um, Can't no, have I, cocaine in it anymore, this sorry. side eye emoji. <laughs> <laughs> um, Pepsi claims they had already met all the federal requirements and no changes were made to their tasty beverage. Um... <laughs> Did you get this off the Pepsi website, though? <laughs> no. <laughs> okay. Um, I added Tasty Beverage. That was me. That was all Just me. making sure. 100% <laughs> me. <laughs> um, I, I feel like this is one of those facts that I wish everyone knew about, that, like, the government did have to step in to make sure people were not giving people products with arsenic and lead. Um, it was Oh, it wasn't just arsenic and lead. It was, like, a bunch of other stuff. Yeah, I'm sure it was also, like... Cocaine. I mean, cocaine. Mercury. <laughs> um, yeah. Just, you know, we, we have this idea that um, companies have our best interests at heart, but they would gladly <laughs> sell us products with poison in it if it means they can keep uh, costs low. <laughs> Anyways, that's time for a different podcast. Um, so, in 1907, Pepsi Cola was trademarked in Mexico. And in total, there were more than 40 franchises and more than 100,000 gallons of syrup. Say it however you want. I'm not... I don't know. I feel like I'm on the hot seat here. No. Um, syrup? <laughs> Scissorp? Uh, sold that yep, year. Yep, <laughs> Scissorp. From now on, it is Scissorp. <laughs> uh, 1908 was also a pretty big year for the company. The first home office building was opened in New Bern, and they became one of the first companies to modernize delivery from the traditional horse-drawn carriage to motor vehicle. That's progress, baby. That is progress. Uh, pioneer automobile racer Barney Oldfield became the first celebrity to endorse Pepsi-Cola in 1909, describing it as bully drink, refreshing, invigorating, and a fine racer before a race. Oldfield was the first man to drive a car at 60 miles per hour around a circular track. Now, that is done a million times today I would... at Disney World's Epcot Test Track. <laughs> 60 miles in a round circle. That's... I love that ride. So, I want to show you a picture of him. Is that what you were expecting that he would look like? A middle-aged American man. White? Yeah. He kind of reminds me of, um... Oh my god, who's that president? Well, it's a white guy, so you can only get <laughs> one name wrong. That's true. <laughs> so, sorry. Um, no, you're right. He kind of reminds me of like a... a just an old-fashioned dude. A, a plumper FDR. But yeah, you're right. Okay. Okay. With I no see, glasses. I see what you're saying. Not what I thought he was going to look like. But anyway. Were you thinking more of what, like, modern-day NASCAR is yeah. well? Yeah. But I guess 1909. Times. Yeah. I wonder if this guy ever uh, put some moonshine in his Pepsi and went for a spin. Probably. Heck yeah. You know, Mountain Dew was uh, was made to be a, a whiskey chaser. That's the whole reason it was made. 
Did you know the Mountain Dew is owned by Pepsi? Yeah, that's why it's, this is very relevant. Did you know when they were acquired by Pepsi? Um, isn't it coming up later? Um, I think so. Well, we're all going to find okay. out together, <laughs> folks. <laughs> Uh, by 1910, there were 240 franchises spread across 24 states, and the first official bottler convention was held in New Bern. Wow. Do you think they all went on the ghost tour afterwards? Uh, hopefully. No, nah, they're probably living it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. On May 31st, 1923, Pepsi-Cola filed for bankruptcy largely due to the increase of sugar prices as a result of World War II. Before the war, sugar cost three cents a pound, and after the war, it was a whopping 28 cents a pound. The assets of Pepsi-Cola, including the company trademark and secret recipe, were sold to Roy McGargle of the Craven Holding Company for $30,000. After the bankruptcy, Caleb Bradham went back to operating his drugstore in New Bern, and he stayed there until he died at the age of 66 in February um, on February 19th, 1934. And I just want to say, I looked into him. Carl Bradham's like a kind of fascinating dude. So he had a pretty big life outside of Pepsi. It was kind of like a, okay, I've got Pepsi, but I'm going to do all these other things. So he was part of the Shriners. He was a bank officer. He was an honorary president of one of the state-owned railroad companies. And he is also one of the founding members of the um, North Carolina Naval Militia in New Bern. What he, a diverse portfolio. I know. And when he retired, he did so with the rank of admiral. And in his spare time, he loved boating and fishing, and he also had three kids. Very nice. Yeah. So, um, not only should he be known for Pepsi, he should be known for just being a all-around wholesome dude. Captain of industry. Exactly. Uh, so, as a result of the 1923 bankruptcy, Roy McGargle, I don't know if that's how you pronounce that man's name, but that's how I'm going to say it, um, he found that he was unsuccessful in his efforts to find funding to revive the company and its branding, so Pepsi-Cola then filed for bankruptcy again in 1931. A man named Charles um, Guth, Guth, I'm going to say Guth, yeah, G-U-T-H, stepped in and bought both the company and McGargle's interest, giving himself 91% ownership. So, Guth was the president of Loft Incorporated, which was a candy manufacturer that had retail stores with soda fountains all over the country. He wanted to replace Coca-Cola at his stores because they made him mad and they refused to give him a discount on syrup. Typical. Typical. After acquiring Pepsi-Cola, Guth had his chemist at Loft reformulate the syrup. So the introduction of 12-ounce bottles in 1934 allowed Pepsi-Cola to gain popularity once again. Prior to 1934, bottles were 6.5 ounces and were sold for 5 cents. But Pepsi was able to nearly double that in their 12-ounce bottles for the same 5-cent price. Yeah, I, I refuse to pay anything more than five cents for a Pepsi moving forward. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think we should go back to this. Just saying. They own... Pepsi and Coke literally own half of the entire world. They can afford it. 
<laughs> so largely due to this five cent uh, deal, they were able to profit and profits doubled between 1936 and 1938. In 1939, the first radio jingle was broadcasted from coast to coast, encouraging people to double the volume their nickels could purchase. And I'm not gonna sing this, I'm gonna say it. It says, Pepsi-Cola hits the spot. 12 ounces, 12 full ounces, that's a lot. Twice as much for a nickel too. Pepsi-Cola is the drink for you. Pepsi hits the spot. What a what a nice poem. <laughs> yes. Sorry, was that Shakespeare? <laughs> Pepsi hits the spot was the most commonly used slogan for radio movies and TV from the 1930s to the 1950s. So, also in 1939, uh, Guth sued Loft Incorporated. He had used Loft's finances and facilities to establish Pepsi-Cola's success which nearly bankrupted Loft, and then Loft then sued Guth for breach of fiduciary duty and for possession of the Pepsi-Cola company, and after a long legal battle, Guth lost. Too bad, so sad. So, in the 1940s, a man named Walter Mack was named president of Pepsi-Cola, and he was known as being very progressive. Uh, one thing that I thought was cool that we could mention is this following little bit that I'm going to talk about. So he noticed that the company's strategy for marketing either used ethnic stereotypes when portraying African Americans or completely ignored them altogether. He realized that he could tap into this, quote, niche marketing and Pepsi could gain a lot of advertising to blacks and African Americans. So he created an all-black sales team to come up with advertising portraying black Americans in a positive light, like a smiling mother holding a six-pack as her son reaches up for one. And another thing that they did was profile prominent African Americans like Nobel Prize winner Ralph Bunch. And even though the team faced a lot of discrimination and even threats from the KKK, Pepsi was able to use this type of advertising as a selling point because Coca-Cola at the time was known for being very reluctant to hire black people. So because of this, Pepsi's market share compared to Coke's rose drastically with black Americans three times more likely to buy Pepsi. And I think that um, that whole thing speaks for itself. I do too. To explain yeah. why it's good. Yeah. yeah. Unfortunately, I don't the the little the sales team had to be disbanded in the 50s but the fact that they were doing this in the 40s yeah was still like i, th I think that's pretty big so this kind of uh leads us to something that's known as the cola wars <laughs> pepsi and coke have a known rivalry and in the 1970s it heated up uh, Pepsi started conducting blind taste tests in supermarkets, and this was known as the Pepsi Challenge. The Pepsi Challenge suggested that consumers preferred the taste of Pepsi over Coke. Shortly after this, Coke reformulated their soda and called it New Coke, and people strongly believed that it was due because of the Pepsi Challenge. It's never confirmed. But well, you know. Suspicious. So both companies started competing for different celebrities to advertise their drinks, and I mean, they're still doing it today. In the 1950s, Alfred Steele 
was named president of Pepsi-Cola, and he was married to Joan Crawford, who became the spokesperson for Pepsi at that time, appearing in commercials and beauty pageants on behalf of the company. And she was actually on the board of Pepsi after Alfred Steele died up until, like, 1973, which I think is cool. Yeah. And Pepsi's also used other famous celebrities like Michael Jackson, Britney Spears... We could, I, the list goes on. Yeah, I remember that, um, it was like a Austin Powers crossover with, uh, with Britney Spears. Yeah. I don't know why that stuck with me. Um, I completely forgot about that. I know exactly what you're talking about. Right? That back in the day, or, oh, remember that, was it, I think it was Pepsi, where it was like Beyonce, Britney Spears, and who else? Pink. Singing, yeah, Pink and Nursing mm-hmm. We Will Rock You. Yeah, it's um, Pepsi. So back in the day, I don't know, some, I was in some like marketing class and they broke it down to Coca-Cola always does like good old fashioned, like that's their marketing, they mm-hmm. have old time America and then Pepsi is always, you know, the taste of a new generation. So they always have like the mm-hmm. newest things and that's kind of, they have their personalities. Yeah, So for sure. So in 1961, Pepsi-Cola was shortened to just Pepsi, and in 1986, PepsiCo was reincorporated in North Carolina. As of 2019, PepsiCo employs 267,000 people. I'm sure it's uh, it's not that flat of a number. I'm sure it's like... It was on Wikipedia. Uh, so I understand that. I'm just, now that my reputation's on the line, because I yeah. said that we're only going to do specific <laughs> numbers, I'm like, ah, shoot. Let me well, call their HR person. I'm, I need an exact number. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure that it has fluctuated over the last year and a half, but, <laughs> yeah. hey, I mean, I don't think they're going bankrupt anytime soon, so. <laughs> well, after the next blurb you're about to say. <laughs> oh, yeah. So, over the years... <laughs> PepsiCo has acquired and sold a number of big brands. Some of the brands that they used to own include Pizza Hut, which I have a fun fact about in a few minutes. Is it is the fun fact that it's my dad's favorite restaurant? No, but that's great. That's where he used to take his first dates. That's great. Sorry, go on. <laughs> Taco Bell, KFC, and California Pizza Kitchen. <laughs> Isn't that great? So currently they have 23 brands, including Mountain Dew, which I believe they acquired in like 1961 or something. It was in the 60s. Um, <laughs> Lay's Potato Chips, Gatorade, Diet Pepsi, Tropicana, Doritos, Lipton, Ruffles, Quaker Foods and Snacks, including Aunt Jemima, Sierra Mist, Totitos, Fritos, and Soda Stream. So, uh, in January 2021, it was reported that PepsiCo had over $1 billion in sales with operations and distribution in over 200 countries, resulting in a revenue of over $70 billion. So PepsiCo is currently the second largest food and beverage business in the world behind Nestle. And Nestle. Sorry, go on. <laughs> no, I agree. Pepsi is currently formulated with carbonated water, high fructose corn syrup, caramel color, sugar, phosphoric acid, caffeine, citric acid, and natural flavors. Bring back the cola. Yeah. So, I have one fun fact about Lay's. When they merged with Lay's, the two CEOs called it a marriage made in heaven because it was like, we've got this nice carbonated beverage with our sweet, salty snacks. 
isn't um isn't there like a Frito Lay um worker strike going on right now? There yeah, might the answer is yes. Okay. Um, but <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I've passed that threshold of <laughs> political topics today. <laughs> That's okay. Um and I only I wanna save the rest for later. Okay, I've got another fun fact that has absolutely nothing to do with this, but well, it does. It does. But it has nothing to do with Pepsi. Did you know that Keurig owns Dr. Pepper? Um, I did not. Yeah. But that's funny. There's, the there's only, like, actually six companies. In the I know. World. So the company <laughs> is called Keurig Dr. Pepper. <laughs> <laughs> you mean that Dr. Pepper has the Keurig? Oh, my God. <laughs> so, I have some... Pack it up. I'm not going to get anything better than that. <laughs> <laughs> I have some fun stories that I found... Um, about Pepsi from their time in other countries. Um, the first one is in 1959, the Moscow Fair was held where Pepsi debuted in the Soviet Union for the first time. Premier Nikita Khrushchev and very own Vice President Richard Nixon shared a Pepsi, which led to the famous kitchen debate. When viewing a model American ranch house, Khrushchev said, You Americans think that all Russian people will be astonished to see these things, but the fact is that all our new houses have this kind of equipment. And Nixon said, We do not claim to astonish the Russian people. We hope to show our diversity and our right to choose. And then basically after that, it was just um, Khrushchev being very sarcastic towards Nixon. Yeah. Which I, I think is hilarious. <laughs> but... Um, so in... Oh, wait. Is that all you're going to say about Russia? I mean, the next part's about Russia, but... Te um, technically, the next part's about the Soviet Union. <laughs> um, okay, so I just want to add in... Wait, I have to read exactly what you wrote to make sure I'm not overstepping. Okay. Is it, is Actually, it about the cheese? No, it's not about okay. the cheese. Alright, go on, and then I'm going to interject. Okay, so in 1972, Pepsi struck a barter agreement with the Soviet Union government in exchange for the importation and Soviet marketing of Pepsi, the United States would receive, do you know how to say that vodka's name? Not in Russian. Stoli. Yeah. Stoli vodka. Um, so if you see Stoli on the shelves in the ABC store, you can thank Pepsi for that. Um... Pepsi was the first foreign product sanctioned for sale in the Soviet Union. And just keep in mind that the Soviet Union began in 1922, so it took 50 years for this to happen. And <laughs> Pepsi did it. And um, the first Pepsi plant was opened in 1974. And uh, Pepsi became a symbol for the relationship between American products and Soviet policy. And at one point... They stopped exchanging vodka and started getting cheese from Ukraine for Pizza Hut. Oh, interesting. That so, was my last, well, that was my second to last fun fact. Yes. Well, I'm going to add to that. So in <laughs> the 1980s, um, when that uh, agreement expired with the, like, the vodka for Pepsi, mm -hmm. um, Russia was like, no, we need more. So guess what they did? They traded <laughs> Pepsi a fleet of submarines and boats... <laughs> I did know this. I did know this. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the new agreement included 17 <laughs> submarines, a cruiser, a frigate, and a destroyer. So at one point, Pepsi had the sixth largest army in the world. Or largest <laughs> navy in the world, sorry. 
the combined fleet was traded <laughs> um, to a Swedish company to like to scrap and recycle, and they caught um, over three billion dollars. Amazing. It. Yeah. Imagine if Pepsi was just like. Uh, I'm going to start a war with Coke, and they can't do anything about it. <laughs> exactly. We're going to take over the state of North Carolina, and uh, it's a Too coastal bad. region. New Bern now officially has the sixth largest army or navy in the world. And, uh, <laughs> the United, and then the United States of Pepsi was born. <laughs> Instead of United States of Pop by DJ Earworm, it's United States of Pepsi. <laughs> That would be the next time someone asked me if you can go back and like into any point of history, what would it be? And I'm gonna be like, uh, I'm gonna take over Pepsi and control the, the sixth largest navy in the world. <laughs> Could you just imagine? That's so funny. That is so funny. <laughs> right. Because <laughs> eventually, you know, like they'd um, you know, all of their ships would have Taco Bell and Pizza Hut on it. Oh my god. <laughs> Everyone be drinking uh, Pepsi. K uh, combination KFC and Taco Bell. Yeah, Kentaco Hut. Wait. Wait. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that makes sense how I they're can... all together. Yeah. So, um... Yeah, that was... Honestly, that was my... That was good. That was good. The so, past, like, two weeks I've been trying to build up to tell I, this story. <laughs> I, so I saw that in there, and I... It, it was like on one of the the websites that I read, and I don't think it really registered <laughs> that they had the sixth largest navy in the world. Because I Pepsi Cola. <laughs> I um I got too focused on the cheese exchange. <laughs> That's what I for you. <laughs> so, moving on to another country that I believed for a very long time that was in the USSR, but that I learned today that it was not. Uh, Romania was introduced to Pepsi in 1966 and opened up a factory there in uh, 1967. And they also had a very similar barter agreement, like that of Russia, but it was Romanian wine that was to be sold here. Romanian wine, Pepsi. <laughs> That's the only time I'm ever going to sing on a <laughs> podcast, I promise. Um, another interesting thing that I read was that Pepsi did not sell any soft drinks in Israel until 1991. And many people, mainly different Jewish organizations, believe that this was because Pepsi was afraid that there would be some type of Arab Arabic boycott. Um, Pepsi, however, denies this and says that it was due to economic reasons rather than political. And uh, my next my last fun fact is coming up. Uh, Pepsi has sponsorship deals with many organizations, including the NFL, the NBA, the NHL, including our very own Carolina Hurricanes, the men and women's champion leagues for the UEFA, which is the Union of European Football Associations, and they even sponsor the Pakistani cricket team. Oh, wow. That was my fun fact. Well, I mean, they own Gatorade. Yeah, so. <laughs> and they were the sponsors of the jerseys for the Papua New Guinea uh, soccer team at one point. Very cool. Yeah. Yeah, nothing goes together um, better than athleticism and sugary drinks. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's... Hey. I will say, though, that they do have, like, if you go to the Pepsi the PepsiCo website, like, one of the things that you can barely easily click on is like what 
the things that they're trying to do to reduce sugar in drinks. Mm-hmm. Um, so, if you're interested in that, just go to their website. <clears throat> cool. Excuse me. Well, hopefully, um, this uh, this struck home for a lot of people. It's it's always so interesting. Like literally, all roads lead back to North Carolina. Mm-hmm. Um. So the next time you're about to drink something, now you kind of feel a little bit more connected to Pepsi because it, you know, it's from your home state. Yeah. And uh, good for them for being such a huge success story. You said it was the second largest company. Yeah, they're second largest behind Nestle. Yeah. So, hey. Wow. And they had the sixth largest army at one point. (laughs) Exactly. Navy, excuse me. (laughs) I know, I keep saying it too. I hope everybody learned something today. Yeah. Because I know I sure did. Go out to your, your local um, pharmacy and pick yourself up a ice-cold Pepsi-Cola for five cents and tell them that the Old North State sent you. Old North State podcast, I guess. Yeah. And hopefully they don't look at you like you're crazy. Yeah. Fingers crossed. Man, this, this episode was really filled with fun facts. Mm-hmm. If, you're, if you're a fun facts person, like you could probably imagine that we are, um, the next time you go out to any place that has serving soft drinks, you are loaded right? with, uh, with fun facts. <laughs> um, so you're welcome. <laughs> yeah. What's your favorite type of Pepsi? Um, What's your f- what is your favorite Pepsi product? I'm more of a Coke person. <laughs> That's fair. Yeah, I don't know. I, I have no idea what to tell you. Um, the Pepsi we're drinking right now actually has a little logo that says "Born in the Carolinas," estimated eighteen ninety eight. Yeah, they're over a hundred years old now. Doesn't look a <laughs> look day <good>. over twenty. <laughs> Mike, what's your favorite Pepsi drink? Um, well, I guess Mountain Dew. I think. You know, I don't like Mountain Dew. Let me look at my other options. Taco Bell Baja Blast. That's that's Baja a, that's Blast a Pepsi for drink. sure. Baja Blast, thousand percent. Um, I I think I kind of just like good old fashioned. Do you remember like Pepsi Clear? No, I remember. Was that thing. a thing? Pepsi Blue. That's Pepsi right. Blue. Yeah. Crystal Pepsi. That's what it was called. Crystal Pepsi. That was um. That that was like in the. Uh... Okay, so I remember it was on a. Like, featured in a movie that I saw that, like, had a chimpanzee that, um, skateboarded. And the kid was keeping the chimpanzee alive in his, like, back shed. And he gave him Pepsi Blue as his beverage. <laughs> Let me look at Pepsi Blue real quick. The things that stick with you, you know? Pepsi Blue. What an interesting... You know what? While we're still here, I'm just going to type in weird Pepsi flavors. See what happens. Oh my gosh. <laughs> oh. Interesting. I... 19 crazy Pepsi flavors you didn't know existed in 2018. Let's go through this real quick. Okay, real know, quick. Everyone's about probably pulling into the office right now. I know. <laughs> Hold on. Oh my god, it's a slideshow. Who oh, does this? I'm trying to get the clicks. Pepsi Mont Blanc. <laughs> this version of Pepsi was inspired by the French dessert Mont Blanc, which is made from a sweetened chestnuts and whipped cream. It was released in Japan for a limited time. Pepsi Pink. Strawberry milk flavored soda, Japan. Pepsi Kona, coffee flavored cola. Gross. Uh, I actually had the, the 
Never mind. Go on. This next one, Pepsi Iced Cucumber. Also oh, in Japan. Japan. Yeah, they love their <laughs> cucumber soda. If you remember from Club Cool and uh, Epcot. <laughs> yeah, Pepsi Sakura. Cherry Blossom flavored Pepsi. Also in Japan. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Pepsi Blue Hawaii. You know um, Beverly? Hi Beverly, I do. From Club Cool. That one guy that talks to us on Instagram that said he did the Disney College program. He's going to be the only person that knows about Beverly. I thought about Beverly all through this, and then I remembered that it was that. It's Coca-Cola. Yeah, it's Coke. Yeah. Uh, so Pepsi Blue Hawaii is pineapple and lemon flavored, and would you guess that it was also released in Japan? <laughs> White Sapote flavored soda, Pepsi Caribbean Gold, also released in Japan. These Japanese, <laughs> they love their weird sodas. Yogurt flavored soda. Oh my god. Pepsi White, Japan. Crystal Pepsi, we just talked about. Pepsi, ooh, ooh, this is a good one. Pepsi Holiday Spice. Can you guess where it was released? Um, Canada. Okay. In the United States. Cool, cool. Pepsi Asuki. Um, red, sweet red beans. I don't know. Pepsi, I don't know how to pronounce this. It's a hints of citrus, mint, and basil from Japan. Pepsi Blue. Uh, Pepsi, Pepsi Salty Watermelon. <laughs> I kind of want to try that one. That one was released in Japan. Pepsi Baobab. That would be interesting to taste. Pepsi Fire. Cinnamon flavored concoction. Why don't they just call it Dr. Pepper? Thailand, Mexico, Singapore, and Vietnam. There's Pepsi. No cinnamon and Dr. Pepper? Um. That's not one of the 23 ingredients. What? I think I'm thinking think of something else. Or however you say it. I don't know what I was thinking of. Um. Pepsi Ghost. Ooh. Guess what was released? Japan. <laughs> um, mystery flavors. There were actually 14 different flavors among the bottles, which made for an interesting game of roulette for customers. <laughs> Look at this cute little bottle. Aww. Very cute. <laughs> I want to try this. Pepsi Mojito. You know, I think I had that at one point. Oh, yeah. Pepsi X. Dragon fruit flavored soda. It was a flop, apparently. All right. I'm done. Okay. Um, <laughs> yeah, thanks for sticking around. Yeah, sorry. That was <laughs> see just you guys next Friday. Hope to see you at the live show. Re reach out to us to let us know if you're going. Well, um, say, yeah. say hello or something. I don't know. Yeah. Be a human. Yeah, we'll try to be normal. No promises, though. No promises at all. Never. All right. Wait. See you guys next week. Goodbye. Sources for today's episode can be found on our website at anchor.fm slash oldnorthstatepod. If you want to send us a topic suggestion, a funny story, or if you just want to say hi, you can email us at oldnorthstatepod at gmail.com. You can also follow us on Instagram at oldnorthstatepod. Cheers, y'all!